Tesla is no longer leading the world's electric vehicle market. A Chinese company has taken its place, but how? The U.S. calls on a leading production equipment maker in the Netherlands. Washington wants it to stop selling gear to China, a move that could deal another major blow to Chinese microchip manufacturers. A Chinese professor says 940 million people earn less than $300 monthly in China. That makes up two-thirds of the country's population. Another real estate company in China finds itself buried under billions of debt. And a Canadian tycoon is facing trial in China. The news comes five years after he disappeared in Hong Kong. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. First, let's turn to the auto industry. Tesla can no longer be called the world's leading electric vehicle company. That's because Chinese conglomerate BYD has sold more electric vehicles in the first half of this year. BYD, by the way, stands for Build Your Dreams. And it is Colin Fredrickson has more. Chinese conglomerate BYD has surpassed Tesla in electric vehicle sales with 641,000 sold in the first half of this year, while Tesla has only sold 564,000. The reason for that is Chinese support, Chinese incentives, and getting people employed there and making sure that they buy the cars that support their economy. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. Fix says BYD is supported by the Chinese regime. It has to come down to components and parts and batteries. And if China's controlling the bulk of the supply issue as well as the microchips, they can supply and make the winners and the losers in this industry. BYD is a conglomerate based in Shenzhen, China, that makes everything from trains and buses to cars. It was founded in 1995 and is one of many electric vehicle producers in China. And Warren Buffett himself owns 7.7%. It's really hard to tell if BYD will continue to outsell Tesla. Uh, it's gaining momentum. It's got some good products out there. Uh, it, of course, did not have the COVID lockdowns in China that, that Tesla did. Paul Eisenstein is the editor-in-chief at the DetroitBureau.com. Eisenstein says the bigger concern is that Tesla doesn't have many new products coming, while competitors across the world have many. It's still uncertain when we're going to get the Cybertruck. If they want to be competitive, they could offer more models, like uh, BYD does. Uh, inexpensive model would be a, a huge seller for them. Julia Morovchek is a regional manager at Driven, a company that provides in-person Tesla courses. She says BYD has copied designs from other automakers and is innovating with its battery technology. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. According to official figures published by China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, Chinese conglomerate BYD got $363 million worth of incentives in the last three years. The Chinese branch of Tesla received $180 million, half of BYD's figure. One automaker is doing everything to defend its position in the world's largest car market, China. That's according to what the CEO of German carmaker Volkswagen said in a recent speech to staff. Bloomberg reported that during those remarks, he called China the company's second home market. And he had good reason for saying so. Two of five Volkswagen cars were sold in China in the first quarter of this year. And last year, a total of 3.3 million cars were sold in China. 
Volkswagen also operates 40 factories in China. Another German carmaker, BMW, began production last month in its new factory in China. It's the high-end car brand's third car assembly facility in the country. $2.2 billion in investment aims to boost electric vehicle production. The factory will send the company's yearly output up to 830,000 vehicles. President Biden could soon roll back some of former President Trump's tariffs on Chinese goods. A decision could reportedly come as soon as this week. That's according to Bloomberg and The Wall Street Journal. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. Amid high inflation, the White House says President Biden's team is looking at options on China tariffs. But Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre Tuesday said she didn't have a timeline for the decision. The president's team is continuing to look at our options uh, on how to move forward. Uh, as you know, for the president and President Xi had a conversation back in March, and we continue to leave all communications lines open from the president on down. President Biden's been looking for ways to combat inflation, meeting with senior advisors over the past several weeks to come up with a solution. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has called for eliminating tariffs on household goods from China to reduce U.S. inflation. But that still wouldn't help with prices for food, fuel and housing, where inflation hurts the most. According to Bloomberg, Barclays Bank said rolling back tariffs on Chinese goods wouldn't do much, calling it a drop in the bucket for lowering U.S. prices. Another consideration is China's unfair trade practices, partly why Trump imposed the tariffs in the first place. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai wants to keep the tariffs for leverage. The Biden administration is trying to strike a balance between easing price pressures and keeping the pressure on China. Some Democrats and organized labor unions are also pushing Biden to keep the tariffs in place to protect U.S. jobs. Meanwhile, the U.S. and China held talks Tuesday to discuss global economic challenges. A Chinese spokesperson said China expressed concerns about the U.S. tariffs on Chinese imports. The U.S. said Secretary Yellen brought up China's unfair non-market economic practices. White House officials say Biden's expected to talk to Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping soon. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The U.S. is reaching out to the Netherlands, asking the country's government to stop a Dutch company from selling to China. Tech company ASML is one of the world's leading production equipment makers. Specifically, it makes gear used to create microchips. And the company sells some of that equipment to China. If the Netherlands agrees to ban the company from doing business with China, the list of chip-making equipment that's no longer accessible to China would get even longer. And that would deal another serious blow to Chinese chipmakers. Though the Dutch government doesn't seem to have signed on just yet. Officials have already banned ASML from selling its most advanced systems to China, those that use extreme ultraviolet technology, or EUV. The equipment carries a unit price of 160 million euros, or $164 million. The U.S. now wants the country to bar some of the company's older tech as well, called DUV. Though they're a generation behind the most cutting edge, these machines are still the most commonly used to make chips. The devices remain desperately in need amid supply shortages. Given China's position as the Netherlands' third biggest trade partner, the Dutch prime minister said he doesn't support rehashing bilateral trade ties to China. ASML also rejected the possibility of banning sales of the older DUV technology to China. 
Data shows that ASML's China-based facilities made up nearly 15% of the company's total revenue last year. A Chinese military attack on Taiwan isn't coming in the immediate future, but the United States is watching the situation closely. That's according to General Mark Milley, chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff. When asked by the BBC whether he thought China would attack Taiwan, the top U.S. general replied, quote, there's no indications or warnings of anything imminent at this time. But again, we watch it very, very closely. Milley confirmed that China is clearly making plans to attack the island at some point, which Chinese leader Xi Jinping has mentioned in public speeches. Milley's comments come amid rising tensions across the Taiwan Strait, a sensitive waterway separating mainland China and Taiwan. As China threatens to attack the island, Taiwan is showing off its new training jets. The island unveiled them Wednesday. These planes are more advanced and were designed and made locally. They're set to replace other aging and accident-prone equipment. Taiwan's armed forces are largely equipped with weapons and gear from the United States. But President Tsai Ing-wen has made creating a homegrown defense industry a priority. This even more so when China is stepping up its military threats and drills near the island. Beijing claims the island as its own and has never ruled out trying to overtake it by force. The new AT-5 Brave Eagle had its first test flight in 2020. It was built with a budget of 2.3 billion U.S. dollars. It's Taiwan's first domestically made jet in three decades. Is China really rich? Apparently not. In a video circulating on social media, a professor pointed out that 940 million people in China have a monthly income of less than 2,000 yuan, equivalent to less than 300 U.S. dollars. Li Kongyue is a professor at Sun Yat-sen University in Guangzhou province. He stressed that the poorest 20% of China's population have a per capita disposable income of 7,800 yuan per year. That's less than $100 a month. The professor says that 40% of people in China earn less than 1,000 yuan or $150 a month. Li adds that on top of low income, 800 million people are in debt and more than 200 million are unemployed. These numbers bring Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping's announcement from last year into question. He said that China had achieved a moderately prosperous society and that the problem of absolute poverty in China had been eliminated. Another blow to China's property market. Chinese developer Simao Group missed the deadline for repayment of a $1 billion offshore bond or international bonds. The investors are from outside China. The bond was due Sunday. The developer said that the missed payment was due to, quote, market uncertainties over debt refinancing and challenging operating and funding conditions. This was the first missed public offshore payment for Shimao Group. The company is the sixth largest developer in China, with $6 billion in international bonds currently outstanding. China's property sector has been hit by a series of defaults in the past few years. That includes the world's most debt-saddled developer, Evergrande Group. It was once the country's top-selling developer. The developer has over $300 billion in liabilities and defaulted on its foreign debt last year. A draft plan for restructuring the company is expected later this month.
three of the top five real estate issuers, Evergrande, Kaiser Group and Sunak China, have already defaulted on their dollar bonds. With a top sporting event scheduled for Shanghai this fall, will the city fully be reopened from virus-driven closures in three months' time? Local authorities say maybe not. The World Golf Tournament, the WGC HSBC Champions, was planned for October but got canceled this Wednesday. The city remains under partial lockdown, driven by China's zero-COVID-19 policy. Even though city officials said they're easing the curbs. The golf tournament draws some of the globe's best athletes in the sport, with prize winnings topping $10.5 million. The event is held annually in China, but this year's cancellation marks the third in a row. Last Monday, the head of the city of Beijing's Chinese Communist Party branch addressed the ongoing virus measures. He revealed that, quote, in the next five years, Beijing will persistently grasp regular pandemic prevention and control. His statement sparked immediate uproar. Later, a state-run newspaper removed the words five years from his speech. Some have drawn parallels between his statement to what's happening now in Shanghai. Locals are still subject to strict rules, including mandatory mass virus testing, with some of them still confined to their homes. Canadian tycoon Xiao Jianhua has reappeared in public after spending five years among the missing. Reports allege that Chinese police abducted and detained him during that time. But his case remains largely a mystery. Here's more. Chinese-Canadian billionaire Xiao Jianhua is facing trial in China without consular access. The Canadian embassy told CNN that they repeatedly requested to attend the trial, but were rejected by the court. Xiao is a Chinese-born Canadian tycoon. According to the Wall Street Journal, Xiao may face charges of illegal absorption of public deposits. If convicted, Xiao will face up to 10 years in prison. Xiao's properties were worth nearly $60 billion combined as of his disappearance in 2017. At the time, he was accused of being deeply involved in money laundering tied to high-ranking officials in the Chinese Communist Party. Xiao was reportedly abducted by Chinese police in Hong Kong in 2017. Insiders said Xiao was arrested and transferred to mainland China. China's criminal procedure law states that the length of detention before trial can't exceed seven months. But Xiao was missing for more than five years. During his disappearance, many of the production facilities he owned were handed over to Chinese authorities. A spokesman for the Chinese Foreign Ministry told the media he was unaware of Xiao Jianhua's case during a Monday news conference. Coming up, China bought more crude oil from Russia in May than ever before. The business dealings are helping both nations get around trade issues. We look at how. And a former U.S. intelligence official reveals how close China's covert influence really is to the towns and local governments of the United States and what the Biden administration must do as a first step to counter it. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's crude oil imports from Russia hit a record in May. That figure soared by more than half from a year earlier. Chinese refineries are now cashing in on discounted supplies from Russia, 
while the West is putting sanctions on Moscow over its invasion of Ukraine. Let's zoom in on that. Russia became China's biggest supplier of oil in May. Crude oil imports from there soared 55% from a year before to a record level. It means Moscow has now retaken the top spot from Saudi Arabia as the top supplier to its eastern neighbour. Imports of Russian oil hit just over 8.4 million tonnes, according to official data. That's just under 2 million barrels per day. It shows Russia can find buyers for its oil despite Western sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine, which it calls a special military operation. However, Moscow has had to slash its crude prices, a move that appears to have attracted major Chinese buyers like Sinopec. The crude deals also highlights the ties between the two countries. In February, when Russia's invasion began, they said their friendship had no limits. China's overall demand has been slowed by health crisis curbs and a slowing economy. Despite that, it wasn't just oil China bought heavily from Russia. Data showed it also brought in almost 400,000 tonnes of liquefied natural gas last month, 56% more than a year before. How deep does China's covert influence in the United States really reach? How close have the Chinese Communist Party's tactics come to your town and local government? A former intelligence official tells Steve Lance with NTD's Capital Report that it's much closer than you might think. and notes that the U.S. government has yet to do something very important. Nicholas Eftimiades, thank you so much for joining us on the Capital Report. Thank you. Nicholas, I want to get right uh, into the CCP's subversive tactics in the United States. How widespread do you think this is, and how do they go about it? Well, let, let's talk about just the segment on covert influence for a minute, as opposed to the propaganda, which we see all the time. Uh, but even in the covert influence area, it's amazing how active they are, not only at the federal level, which we've seen, but at the state and local levels, it's, it's really rather extraordinary. We've seen covert influence campaigns and repression of dissident organizations or democracy organizations occurring at the state level. We've seen collection, or rather at the city level, we've seen uh, collection by human sources against local politicians as well as national politicians uh, on, on a pretty grand scale. It's like nothing the United States has faced before. This is very fascinating. When it comes to our political figures, you mentioned federal, uh, municipal, state level, um, does the Chinese Communist Party attempt to influence, say, uh, members of Congress and their staffers, and thereby influencing policy? Like, what, what is their modus operandi? Uh, yes, actually, I, I can go back 30 years, and having been in a room with congressmen and um, uh, U.S. companies coming in talking about how the Chinese are pressuring them to go to their representatives, and, and it continues today. So we see Chinese, Chinese CCP practices a, a concept of encirclement, meaning they recruit academicians, they recruit businesses, they recruit politicians, they recruit um, uh, organizations, civic organizations, business organizations, and through this, this concept of encirclement, which you actually see in the game Go, uh, and, and this concept goes way back to the Warring States period, but through this concept, they actually get and encircle their political target uh, so that they can ex exact influence, because they could push that person towards influencing the nation state in a way that benefits the PPCP, CCP. Now, this uh, Chinese-owned social media company, TikTok, is one of the most popular uh, in the world among young people. Um, 
do you see that, you know, I think the Trump administration uh, banned them or was about to. What risk do you see this uh, posing? Well, this is kind of an interesting question. Uh, China's collection campaign is, as we like to call it, a whole of society campaign. So it's massive. Uh, and uh, according to China's uh, national intelligence law of 2017 and the implementation regulations of that same year, uh, any organization has to provide to China's intelligence services. They have to contribute to them. They have to support them whenever they are asked. So the question is, when you're getting personal information on people, uh, on their viewing habits, on their likes, their dislikes, and you know things that that are that they say that are said at, about them. Uh, what use is that to a government? Can you target people through that? Yeah, absolutely. Can you target them for political influence campaigns? Sure, that's the way it's done. Can you potentially target them to use them for some type of espionage activities or collection activities? Yes. If you're trying to collect technology and if you can develop that information that a person has access to that, is that your starting point to go after that technology? Well, for an intelligence service, it is. So th this might seem like a mass amount of data and really a mass amount of data on young people. But uh, it, it ha if you can sift it through artificial intelligence, which China has done phenomenal work in, uh, then it becomes user data that, that can be used for influence as well as potentially for espionage. So what is the way to fundamentally win this battle or fight this uh, war? Well, uh, that's a really good question. And that is a problem because the United States government has yet to, and the same thing for our allies, have yet to develop a strategy, have yet to even articulate or understand their goals. Where do they see the relationship with China in 10 years? I've asked numerous senior officials and they don't know. They don't have good answers. And a strategy starts with that approach, understanding where you want to be you know, with China in 10 years. After that, you can arrest your way out of it. I mean, we, we've proven that. It's just not a feasible thing. So there are a variety of things that have to be done from legislatively to trade, to counterintelligence work, to criminal activities, to simply educating you know, those that we have in country as guests, as scholars and students. So multi-pronged approach with a unifying strategy and focused direction. The world's biggest gambling hub is all but shut down this week. Authorities in Macau are racing to contain the city's biggest outbreak of COVID-19 since the pandemic began, aiming to stay in line with China's stringent zero COVID-19 policy. Here's what's happening. Long queues stretched across Macau this week with citywide COVID-19 tests ordered and most of the world's biggest gambling hub shut down. It's more than 600,000 residents have to take three PCR tests this week and at-home rapid tests in between. While the former Portuguese colony has not introduced a full-scale lockdown seen in mainland Chinese cities like Shanghai, more than 13,000 people are now under quarantine in the city. Only Macau's casinos have been allowed to stay open, though hardly any gamblers can be seen inside and very few staff are working. As of Tuesday, Macau had only logged more than 900 infections since mid-June. While the numbers are still far below other places, Macau only has one public hospital whose services were already stretched on a daily basis. 
Officials have now put up a makeshift hospital next to the city's Las Vegas-style Kotai Strip to help cope with the rise in cases. Macau had stayed largely COVID-free since an outbreak in October 2021. The city adheres to China's zero-COVID policy that aims to eradicate all outbreaks at just about any cost, running counter to a global trend of trying to coexist with the virus. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. A godless society with the powers of God, where those who choose their faith are imprisoned or even killed. In this special report, we delve into the Chinese regime's war on faith, the different forms it takes, and what happens to those who dare to believe. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.